Gonna pop in here for a couple minutes, I can say hello to you. Mr. Wanstead. Dave Wanstead. You guys are sick. I'll tell you what. NFL head coach for 11 years. The Bears came in here and Dave Wanstead. There's a happy group of overachievers that have been well coached. College football national champion. A number of legends here tonight. Dave Wanstead. Super Bowl champion. Dave Wanstead. One of my, you know, really idols. Football analyst for NBC Sports Chicago. Shane. Wake up. Spigs is here. Come on, we got to have a look. Yeah, Spigs is here. It's a special occasion. Tanny, we got to have another little taste because Spigs is here. Yeah, that's a good point. A celebration, good. coach. That happens once a month. It's five o'clock somewhere. That's a good that's point. Pour me something tall and strong. Make it a hurricane before I go insane. It's only half past 12, but I don't care. It's five o'clock somewhere. Great, as always, to speak with Dave Wanstead. Thursdays, 4 o'clock, our favorite time of the week. Coach, how the hell are you? I'm doing good. I, uh, yeah, played a little golf this week. Uh, played in the uh, Senior Pro-Am. You know, they had the championship tour down here for the pros and uh, played with uh, Marco Dawson, was the pro I played with, and uh we had a great day, great day, absolutely. Had uh, some good conversation with a few of my uh, the pro guys, the seniors that I know from Oklahoma State, Scotty Verplank and company and all those guys, and saw Bernard Langer. He was uh, in the locker room right across from me. I talked to him, so it was a interesting, fun day. It really was. Good for you. Nice crossover. Some, some big-time golfers and some big-time football people. You, you, you learn? You ever learn anything from a from a golfer about how to make uh, your football game better, your football coaching better? Anything crossover, coach, or not really? No, yeah, I tell you what, no. But I, I, um, not much. Uh, but I, the one thing that they do do, I, the focus that these guys have when they miss a shot, and obviously forgetting about it uh, for the next one. I mean, that's. Um, a uh, lot of stress, lot of stress. I, I do sense that. Walk. Then we went out one day and just walked around with them, and uh, uh, I actually got yelled at, if you can believe this, <laughs> on the course. Me, me and my buddy Big Dave. He's my running buddy from from way back. We knew each other in high school. Played together at Pitt. Yenzer. And and I'm staying. At, it, we're staying at his place here uh, a little bit till our place gets fixed up. So we're standing there. It's number fifteen. And I didn't know the, the golfer, but I was following Steve Fleish because he's left-handed and he sent me a set of golf clubs that I was using. So I uh, I wanted to stall, follow Steve Fleish a little bit. So I'm following him and this guy's in, in the uh, in the crowd in his threesome, I'm sorry. So he's, he hits a shot, it's not very good and it's off the green, it's close to where we're standing. And Indiana was playing, oh God, who were they playing on uh, Saturday? But it was a close game. It was down to the wire. Who did Indiana play Saturday? So it was 62-61. So I turned to my buddy, and this guy's getting ready to putt. And I said, okay, wait, what's the score to an Indiana game? He says, 62-60. And the guy turns around and puts his hands up like this. He says, are you guys done? And I said, hey, I am sorry, sorry. I lost my focus. You need to focus. I was focused on the Indiana basketball game. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was Indiana-Illinois. Uh, there you go, Il- Indiana, Illinois. So, uh, great day, eventful day. Drinking my Lucky Seven. Oh, look at that. Good. Shane, <clears throat> did you get that? 
Shane, wake yep, up. Yep, I'm, okay, I'm here, Warner. Yep, I got didn't, it. Didn't mean, didn't mean to bother you. <laughs> don't, don't worry. Don't, you, you can't even see me. You got no idea what I'm doing back here, working very hard. He's, he's hard at work. I got a couple bottles of Lucky 7 for you if you ever come uh, back here. I'll be, I'm, coming, I'm, flying, I'm going to uh, Carolina from here tomorrow, my wife and I, and uh, I'll be in Chicago Monday. I owe, God, I, I owe Danny some a little bottle of wine, so I, I may make an appearance. Uh, I don't know what I have on the books Thursday yet, but I may... I may stop by, you know. Yeah, we dr- we dream of it, Coach, and we want to cook for you uh, one day, one Thursday when you're in here. I'm buying. I'll, I'm buying the uh, food, and Shane's got to cook. Absolutely. We yeah, when to- Speak says we want to cook for you, we want Shane to cook for you. <laughs> no need to buy, Coach. I got a freezer full of Second City Prime steaks. Oh, oh I love it. Well, oh. Let's do it. Give me a date. Uh, no, I'll tell you what. Let me give you a date just to be sure I'm in time. Okay. Yeah, that makes more sense. We don't want to cook yeah. for you when you're when you're not here. Um yeah. Dave, would you do a darkness retreat for four days like Aaron Rodgers? Well, he did too, but would you do a darkness retreat? Boy, you know what? I, I, I probably not, but I don't. I mean, it sounds. Very, I, I got to get the. Have you guys got any of the details of that? What, uh, what oh, yes. it entail, entailed? Oh, what, what was? What was it? Was it one of those uh, uh, sauna? One of those <laughs> heat heat things they have out in Arizona? You, Sit in a tin shack or a, something? A sweat lodge? No, a it wasn't. Sweat it? lodge? No, no. coach, it was, it's a 300-square-foot room that's uh, built into uh, a hillside in Oregon. And you can, wow. leave, you can leave every once in a while and go for, uh, go for walks if you need to. But for the most part, you're down there uh, in the dark, a nice little bed and a, 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 war- a bathtub. You could take a hot bath. Everybody loves that, don't they? Yeah. You know? so, there you go. Yeah. Well, yeah. Would I do it? No, but uh, it sounds very interesting. Yeah, and and now, now it's, I, I can't wait to. You know what? What got me? And think about this: when I took over at the Dolphins, and no one's talking about this one part of this whole Aaron Rodgers thing. And I don't know if it'll be a factor, but I know it was with Dan Marino. Uh, when I took over the Dolphins, I hired Chan Gailey as my offense coordinator, and we, we were going to change philosophies. And we were going to do some movement stuff. And, and so that was a big thing with Dan Marino as far as did he even want to come back and make an attempt. He was at the end of his career. But changing the offseason routine and changing the offensive philosophy and the numbering system and the checks and the blitz checks and everything, protections, everything that goes with playing quarterback, you know, Dan had been in a system so long. And he had his routine done from when the season ended until the minicamp started that that was a big deal to him, that he just was not comfortable with changing at that point in his career. And you got to think that Aaron Rodgers, you know, the New York Jets offer, I mean, sure, that would, but, you know, he, he's, you talk about a guy that has his routine and, and kind of knows what he wants to do every month of the year, uh, I don't know. I think that's going to be more of a factor. I think he ends up back in Green Bay, if I'm going to bet. Because of the system change? Well, a, a, a little bit of a system change, maybe. But, you know, Hackett's there, so he that would be comfort zone. But I'm talking about, you know, where, you, where he's going to live, the new receivers he's going to work with, uh, what the head coach's offseason program was. I want everybody in here lifted at 7 in the morning, whatever it is. I mean, there's a lot of little things that happen inside an organization that affect every player. Mm-hmm. He knows what he has right now. At this point in his career, he knows what he has in Green Bay. Uh, he knows deep down everybody's upset now, but the fans love him. Let's be real. So um, uh, 
I think he stays at Green Bay. I really do at the end of the day. That's interesting, Coach, because the way you're describing it, you know, it's a lot of work. Be a lot of work to assimilate, to yep. learn all that new stuff, to adjust to all that stuff. And Aaron likes his free time. He likes uh, doing other stuff, likes going on, going on his shows and, and doing everything else. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, and that's something that people weren't talking about, just that emotional part of a guy with the money that he has and the status that he has. Do I really want to go make a change in, in my whole lifestyle uh, if I don't have to? So I, I think he – I don't think it happens. I, I, we'll see. Dave, do you watch the XFL? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, I was texting today with Russ Brandon, in fact, who uh, – he's, he's president of the XFL. So I, I was – I know a little bit about those guys. Doug Whaley and I work together. He's a pit guy. He's the player personnel guy for the XFL. And obviously, Rock being the University of Miami guy. So I got enough ties to it that I, I have watched it. You know, and uh, it's, it's an op- I look at it this way. It's a great opportunity for these young guys. And, and they, they play as hard as guys competing, you know, on the Bears roster. I mean, they really do. These guys are trying to win they're trying to get to the next level. They're all trying to get to the NFL. Uh, they're, they're, guys are coaching them, and, and they're working hard. So, uh, you know, I, uh, I respect what they're doing. I really do. So uh, do I watch it regularly? No. Have I watched it? Yes. Well, curious on, like, some of the rule changes that they're doing. And, and, and I, I didn't ask if you knew anyone with the XFL because I knew the answer to that was yes because you know oh. everybody everywhere. So, <laughs> so thank you for dropping those I, names. I, you know what? You set me up on that, and I couldn't help it. I was text. I was laying down by the pool earlier, and I was texting with Russ Brandon. You know, I, I swear to God, I swear. Wani, I mean, this is your, Dave. Th- we believe not, you. This is not a coincidence. Every question our is listen, a setup. Our listen, Dave. Our listeners probably think that this was staged, that we like had a production meeting before this show and we talked about this. No, no, Nobody Trust out there me. is like, I can't believe that Russ Brandon texts Dave Wanstead. Yeah, like we could ask you about any team or any professional organization in sports. And they're like, well, you know, I was texting with this guy. I golfed with the owner. You know, you know. You, do you even hang out with anyone that doesn't have a title of president? It's ridiculous. Absolutely. I, I'm Big Dave. Know, I am just Big Dave. Big yeah. Dave and Whitey went. Big Dave and Whitey went to high school together. So there you go. <laughs> what are the odds? <laughs> what a proof. Okay. No. You know what? Let's talk about. I think there's going to be a couple rule changes in the NFL to jump off uh, the XFL for a minute. I, I think the third quarterback thing. You know how many teams this year got down to their fourth quarterback in the NFL? Seriously. Well, the Bears at one point, right? It was David Montgomery was was the quarterback if if there was an injury. Uh, you know, so I think if, if you go back in years, it used to be uh, up until I, I, I was actually doing a little research on this. Uh, you know, they've increased for our listeners. They've increased the practice squad. OK, the practice squad used to be five. Then they made it 12. And now it's 16, 2022. So that's extra players that you can have that uh, do not participate in the game. All they are is just to kind of keep the full-time players healthy, and they're the scout team players. Uh, and, but the quarterback change, this thing happened in 91. They they moved the roster. They said, okay, you can have 45 active players and three quarterbacks. So everybody had three quarterbacks. You don't have to count them. And then they changed it in 2011 where they said you can have 46 players active, okay, out of your 53. 46 can, can show up on game day. And, but it doesn't have to be three quarterbacks. 
So the minute they did that, you know what all the teams have done? All the teams, I think 50% of them keep two quarterbacks. They don't even have a third quarterback anywhere on the practice squad or anywhere. They cut it down because of injuries and special teams help and so forth. They've kind of eliminated that. So I think that they got it. I think they're going to come out this year and they're going to seriously talk about it. I know this for a fact. They're going to talk about, okay, you can have a third quarterback and he won't count as part of the active 46-man roster. He will not count. You can add this third guy. Now, maybe he's restricted. He can't come into the third quarter. Or, or if he comes in the first quarter, he's got to finish the game, whatever it might be. But I think that's a big deal because they do not want to see you know, a playoff game and, and you're using a, a, a David Montgomery as your quarterback. I mean, that just doesn't... For, for where the NFL is, that's really not fair. That's not that's not what viewers want to see. Or an injured Brock Purdy handing it off every time, like we just saw, and like exactly. and that game was a joke for the second half, and it, and that's that's not what you want. No, that, it makes all the sense in the world. What's what's another one that might change? Uh, well, you think, I, I, Coach? I, I think the what are they calling it the push push rule or whatever. You know, the thing that where where they get into a real tight formation with Jalen Hurts, uh, yeah. the Eagles Jaylen QB Hurts, sneak, yeah, yeah, and, and they going into the playoffs, they were twenty one of twenty three, I think it was, or twenty one of twenty four of converting. So they they were very good at, but you know this rule itself, it it was illegal up until two thousand five. Then two thousand five, the NFL said, you know what, if you want to push somebody, and we all saw it with the sneak, but how many times do we see it downfield? where a running back is at the goal line, and a running back is trying to get over the goal line, and everybody pushes them over. Okay, they made it legal in the NFL in 2005. College football, they made it legal in 2013. Uh, I think they're going to change that for this reason, for this reason, is injuries. How would you stop that? If I'm a defensive coordinator and I'm playing against Philadelphia, you know, the old thing, if they're, if they're six inches off the ground, we got to be three inches off the ground. So the only way the defense has a chance to stop that is get down underneath them, and now, now you're going to make contact with their legs, whether it's the ankles or the knees, whatever it is, there is a chance of injury. In these NFL owners meetings, I sat in them. The minute you start talking about player injury, everybody's backs off and says, what do we got to do to make this better and protect the players? So I think – that that could be the reason, but I look, I, I could see a rule change in that also. Do you think they'd uh, say that you can't do the push just like in the middle of a running no play, push. like we've always seen? No push no, at all. No, no push at all anywhere. I mm. think that's coming. I, I think that is absolutely coming. Yep. And no one it, 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 until they throw the flag and they penalize somebody, guys are going to try to do it. I mean, it's it's just kind of a natural thing to do. Help your teammate get across the goal line. The reason I also was interested in the XFL stuff, Dave, is they're trying stuff. Like, yeah, they it, are. You know, instead instead of an onside kick, you could go. You could just say, "We want to go for it." For like, it's a fourth and fifteen from your own twenty-five yard line. If you convert it, you get to keep the ball after you score. No extra points. Right. You run a play from the two-yard line; it's worth one point. You run a play from the five-yard line; it's worth three points. Or uh. Yeah. From the five, it's two, two, points. two points. From, from, from the five, it's two points. From the, from, the, from the ten, it's three points. Instead of, uh, and then from the two-yard line, it's worth one point. That's right. Thank you. You know, like, so no more extra points, and there's a one, a two, and a three-point play that you can do after scoring a touchdown. I, I don't know if you like or hate or anything these rules or think the NFL would never do it, but I like that the XFL is trying things. 
Yeah, they, they, I, I give them credit for that. And they used that last game, Seattle and somebody, whoever, a team was down, I think it was 12-3 to 3 or whatever it was, with two, two or three minutes to go in the game, and they came back and won because they scored and they went for the three-point range at 15 yards or whatever you said, or 10 yards, and they converted it. So it gave them a chance to win the game. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's exciting stuff. Uh, there's no question about that. So... It's all good. You know, the, the tough thing is about this, you know, when I was around for the World Football League and, uh, you know, all, until the National Football League is real, very leery about getting involved in this. And when you don't have the NFL support, it's really tough for these, you know, uh, you know USFL, XFL teams to survive because they're not going to get the audience. You know, this, this weekend, I was, Russ told us on a call, I was on a call with him yesterday, uh, that they had at the, at the high point, I think it was 2.5 million dollars, 2.5 million viewers were watching their game on Sunday. The one that, that I think it was Seattle came back, or whoever Seattle was playing came back. I, I forget the opponent, but he was talking about that those ratings were good at the high point of the most exciting game on a good day on a weekend day. Uh, can they sustain those, num- those numbers? Because they're not going to get people coming to the stands. I mean, that's. That's not going to happen enough, uh, you know, to, to to pay a lot of the bills. They're going to need the TV coverage, and the ratings will be the key. We'll do another segment with Dave Wanstead, and then we'll continue to count down Speaks' 30 baseball players, favorite baseball players of the last 30 seasons in Chicago. Hanging out with Dave Wanstead, Parkinson Spiegel on the score. Dave Wanstead. And I'm always available unless I'm doing something. Uh... With Parkinson Spiegel on 670 The Score. Hanging out with Dave Wanstead on a Thursday, beverage in hand. Love talking to Coach. He won't do a darkness retreat. He's got takes on new NFL rules. Sure does. Thanks, Aaron Rodgers, is staying in Green Bay. Texts with the uh, president of the XFL. Russ Brandon. Hey, hey, hey Spigs, let me ask you something. You know, you meant, I, I heard Danny's uh, little tease on the, your top 30 baseball players uh, in the last 30 years, I'm sorry. Uh, I, and I know the Hall of Fame was picked this year, being not, you know, come out in, in what, June or July. Do you think Pete Rose ever gets in, Spigs? <laughs> Thanks for your call, Coach. <laughs> and, um, and is he on your Mount Rushmore? <laughs> no, you mentioned baseball. You're right. And, and, no. And, and Pete came, I mean, I, Posthumously. Worked, I worked with Pete at Fox. Yeah. And used to talk to him about it all the time. And I was just curious what your opinion was. Well, that's, that's interesting. I'd love to know what he said. Yeah, no, I, I don't think he gets in. While he's alive, uh, maybe posthumously, but he has had many chances to kind of uh, either a apologize or b be accountable, and he just he just doesn't do it. Um, you so you think you think anybody breaks his hit record? Uh, no, no, no. That, he doesn't either. That's, <laughs> that's, for, that's for another story. <laughs> I, I got you, Spigs. Oh, yeah, you did. <laughs> I thought he was really good. I thought he was really good on Fox. He looked he, he looked strange. You know, he, told, and he was he good. Told, I asked him that. He only told me, he says, Coach, he says, let me tell you something. He says, these guys don't care. No one cares about getting a base hit anymore. All the money's in hitting home runs. And the other thing is, none of these players play a full season. He says, even when we did not have a game, I would go. I felt guilty if I didn't go to the stadium and get a weight workout or get a steam or, or jog or do something. He says, when the season started, I never missed a day of work. Whether we were on or off, I was at the stadium. He says these guys obviously now, you know, with the injuries and resting guys, and, and just the way things have changed. So uh, I, I was just checking, getting get a little credibility check on you, Spigs. You're right on point. 
You're right. You, you and Pete agree. You and Pete well, agree. notoriously. Good company. Famous. <laughs> uh, Dave, got, got, got a question about offensive tackles for you. Uh, okay. Do you care about how long their arms are? Uh, yes. Yes, I do. I think there is something to that uh, because the real key is getting your hands on the defender before he gets his hands on you. Uh, 100%. I think there's something to that. Um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't stand here and say, uh, you know, that, that a certain length of the arm, you know, 38 or whatever it might be. Uh, but I do believe that having range is an advantage for an offensive tackle, getting his hands on the guy he's blocking. Any offensive lineman is that way. I think right across the board. And I think, Cat or Olin or any of those guys would agree with me. And well, maybe not Patrick Manley, but any of the guys, you know, the offensive linemen. Well, you know, Peter Skaronsky's arms are apparently 33 inches or maybe even a little bit less. If he's a textbook killer at left tackle, who's been great at every level and yeah. is and is certainly the number one, but the arms are short, do you does he slide down your draft board? Well, you know, a, a lot has to do with his, the set, you know, how quick he sets his feet and gets his hands up. Uh, obviously, he's a smart guy. You know, last year it was Mitch Trubis or uh, Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett couldn't play because his hands weren't big enough. I mean, his hands were as big as Russell Wilson's and a lot of the quarterbacks play in the league, but, you know, they weren't Ben Roethlisberger. So people were questioning, could he be a quarterback in the NFL? I think he's, you know, he's proven that uh, – yeah, does it help a little bit? I think when you're playing in wet conditions and you're trying to grip the ball, uh, to have, you know, Troy Aikman had huge hands, Brett Favre, so forth, absolutely. But does it eliminate you from being a really good player? No. And I would, I would, I think I would look at the offensive line the same way. What about for a center, Dave, for Justin Fields? We were talking about this the other day on the show. Uh, would no. you, do you think that they will try to do like the veteran route? or draft someone that can be the long-term partner, or what should they be looking for at that position? Well, well, my feeling straight across the board, guys, with offensive linemen in the NFL nowadays, uh, they're not coming out of college uh, well as well-groomed and matured, I should say, as what they were in the past. They, Because of the limited days in the NFL that you can have pads on and practice and the tempo of practice and the physicality, I think offensive linemen are at the biggest disadvantage from a standpoint of uh, maturing, of growth, of getting better at their skills, at their craft, Be because they need live work. You can't get better with an offensive lineman but going out there and hitting pads. You've got to hit live people. I really believe that. I've seen it. I I've lived it. And with the limited amount of time you can do that, so my feeling, Danny, to answer your question, I would look and search as hard as I could for veteran guys that can upgrade you on the offensive line. Guys that I can see doing it right now would be where I would try to focus in free agency, in free agency. I would draft young guys, sign veteran guys on the offensive line. That's just my personal opinion from from what I've observed and obviously heard talking to some people around the league. That's interesting stuff. There's a, we looked at a bunch of centers uh, yesterday or, or whenever it was coach. And 
There's one who's a senior at Minnesota. There's John Michael Schmitz. Um, I love him. You do? God, you just killed me on that. You know, I was up at Minnesota. I spent two days this summer with P.J. Fleck, and I, I think he's a heck of a player. And they're one of the few teams. Think about, of all schools for you to pull on, they're one of the few teams that actually develop offensive linemen, and they run the ball, and they're physical, and they're tough. Uh, he is a player. He, he is a player. He's a little bit different mold than most of those guys, in my opinion. You might take a guy from Michigan. I th- you got to look at the school. I guess that's what I'm saying. A majority of these college guys, they don't want to run the ball now. They, they, don't, they don't really develop the offensive lineman. Everything is quick passes. Get the ball out. You don't have to you know, run plays. You don't have to block anybody, all that stuff. The quick screens and so forth, RPO stuff. Uh, you know, Michigan guys... Guys that run the football and do it well, Minnesota's got a great offensive line coach, uh, Brian Callahan. He, he's outstanding. And uh, Chicago, Illinois guy, by the way. Uh, so they developed their linemen up there. I would definitely uh, – he, he's a guy you'd have to take a serious look at. So there are – okay, because so, yeah, you had said you wanted to do the veterans, but there are yeah. – but, yes. but, but Schmitz is a senior who went back for another year, and he's been a leader, yeah. so he's a little, bit, a little bit more of a veteran style. Yeah, I don't no want way. you guys to think that I'm 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 contradicting myself, even though I, you know, it's because I I do a majority of these guys aren't ready and aren't developed enough to come in and help the Bears right now, right now. Veteran guys are. That's my feeling. But when you look at a guy like Minnesota, you look at a guy maybe at Michigan, some of these schools that that uh, do it a little bit differently, uh, you, you got to take a close look at them. I would consider those guys. I really would. All right, what's what's the what's the next week of uh, lovely life of Dave Wanstead? Who are we going to be? Who are we meeting? Who are we? Who are we hanging out with? What celebrities are we interacting with? Who are we calling and texting? <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm heading to uh, I'm heading to the Carolinas tomorrow morning, and I'm back in Chicago on Monday. So you guys tell me what's going on in Chicago. I'm going to be around the city. I'll probably come in. Uh, I'll probably be live. Maybe I'll be live next Thursday. We'll see. When are I'm... we going on Jimmy's boat? When's the next time you're going to go on Jimmy's boat? Oh, I, I, I got to get. I haven't talked to Jimmy since the Super Bowl. I, I, thank you. I'll call him tomorrow morning, Danny. <laughs> you're welcome for me to remind you to call your 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 best friend. Um, yeah, well, because he you, he didn't have the full like public retirement. Honestly, at the at the Super Bowl, like I thought that maybe was going to happen. They didn't. I, I I don't think they want to admit admit it that he's uh, going to retire you know and you know, try to do something to get him to come out once or twice a year i don't know what the deal will be but uh yeah they, they, nobody wants to admit it out there because they have so much fun they have so much fun hmm. yeah he's a big face he's an important face for that uh for that network so they'll try Absolutely. to keep him in the fold somehow hey i got reservations here guys in about 15 minutes so i'm uh so you're doing something bit. Well, I'm, I'm going. Some, I'm taking my buddies here to a steakhouse tonight. So we're. Uh, oh, well done. Okay. Uh, well catch up. Oh, don't say that in front of Shane. Oh my God! Don't <laughs> say ketchup. Don't stay. Say a one sauce. None of that stuff. No, Shane. No, nothing. Just great. Just little, little mashed potatoes on the side. It'll be fine, Shane. Bring those steaks in. <laughs> you, you know that if we do the steaks here, you have to eat it medium rare. Oh. Oh wow! You are really taking this thing over to the top now. You're you're taking it to another level. Medium rare with no sauce on it, huh? Yeah, correct. 
How about some seafood? What are you cooking seafood? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get some shrimp for you, too. Perfect. All right, I got to I, I gotta go. Okay, all right, all right, thanks, Dave. Coach. You're doing yeah. something. See, see you, Coach. Shane, didn't mean to bother you. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's bothering Shane. Yeah. He's, uh, he calls on him like it's a classroom. Where did that narrative come from, by the way? He just started that today. The Hey, don't mean to bother you. I'm sitting here, bro. <laughs> yeah. Call him Dave, bro. How about, how about he interrupts Danny and goes, hey, hey, Spanks. He interrupts Danny and asks me a baseball question it's about fine. Pete Rose. That guy, he, he writes his own ticket. It kind of becomes the Dave Wanstead show, and we're just kind of circling the orbit, right? Do oh, you circle in orbit? 100%. Yeah, I don't know if you circle in orbit No, so circle in orbit is the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. We orbit him. Do we orbit? Or circle him. Yeah, yeah. But we're, we're just way. hanging out. Yeah. And he takes over and goes in the direction that he wants to go. Yeah. And Dave Wanstead is amazing and loved by everyone. He is. He is. His And his rule changes because he texted a little behind the scenes. He he kind of produced the say He had some takes this week that he, he wanted ready. to get off. He, so I, he's he must, got sources. He, and he said he's informing. So how do you feel about those ones? The, the, the third quarterback rule, I feel like, makes all the sense in the world. The, it only hurts fans yes. when you're watching a football game when there isn't a quarterback that can throw the ball. I think it'll be the second year in a row that a – a, a, a fan base that felt like it was robbed in the playoffs will get a rule changed. Because last year we had the Buffalo-Kansas City overtime. So isn't it three years? Or it's three of four years? Cause the, what was the other one? What, the Saints. But they got pass interference reviewed. Oh, with the reviewed. pass interference reviewed. And then it, and then it went away. But that I was thought that, that was a couple years before. That, that was the NFC Championship game. Maybe it's three out of four or four or, or, three, or three out of three five. Out of five. Yeah, Something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. High, high profile incident in no a brainer. playoff game no that brainer. leads to a change. And, it, and, it, and it's frankly, it's absurd. Like the amount of times we've had to think about the emergency quarterback is ridiculous for a, a thing like that. Yeah. Although hockey, the emergency goalie always makes me laugh it's too. It's different though. Yeah, you know that thing though? Yeah, of course. We yeah. had the guy here. Oh, that's who, right. Who came out of the stands. We had him on. Yeah, that's right. We what did. What was the name of the goalie? It. Uh, Shane, are you listening? What was the name? What was the name of the goalie we that had, we had on? They the emergency goalie that came out of the stands. stands. Oh, standby! Didn't we have him on? Foster? Fa- yeah, it was, Foster Brooks. It, it was so, no. I would say Scott Foster, but I think that's an that NBA the, official. That yeah. was the actual. That I said is, Kevin that, Foster. It was no. a pitcher. No, the it is Scott Foster. Uh, nice. yeah, Scott Foster. God, look at you, Tanny. He's a poster child for not abusing your body and brain I, I, with I was, drugs and alcohol. I was just going to say. Tanny drinks vodka cranberries every night. Not every in night. In Vegas. Only in yeah. Vegas. Scott Smoked Foster. old fashions and vodka yes, cranberries. Yes, so no, that, that rule is, is, is funny, uh, but I don't think you want the fan to be an NFL quarterback. N- I don't know. <laughs> It'd be kind of dangerous. XFL might do it. Yeah. Well, they should. Yeah. They should. They might as well. So yeah, there, there's that one, and then... Yeah, the push is interesting. I mean, I it did feel like a gimmick and kind of indefensible. It and it changed so much for what the Eagles do because they had this sense of assurance that they were going to get fourth and short if they needed it. Right. So all of a sudden, I think the way that Olson said it, Greg Olson said it in the Super Bowl was they treat they they treat third down like second down sometimes because they know that even if it's third and five. They could run a play for three yards and then sneak it to get there too, and they're good. Right. So it's that that felt like a gimmick, but I kind of love the um, the when it happens in the middle of a play when a running back is fighting and then 
Tevin Jenkins or whoever turns over and decides to just bash him in the back and 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 knock him in. So that being lost would be a slight aesthetic and enjoyment bummer for me. I kind of enjoy that. I could see what you're saying. I mean, I think the the, the gimmick aspect of it outweighs it. You don't want a play that feels indefensible, right? You want you want to always be able to yeah. defend uh, what the offense is doing. Although, although I, I kind of dug it as innovation, and like it, it made made the defensive line line up in the neutral zone sometimes, and made them jump. Yeah, uh, sometimes. No, I understand stuff I understand. like that. It's so funny, like all these rules. The pushbacks and all the baseball stuff is on my mind for so many obvious reasons. But I was just reading a thing, and you know how like the the pitcher can only disengage twice and make two pickoff throws. Yeah, there's no rule limiting the number of times the catcher can back pick, can do the back throw to, to first base to try and get the runner and hold him on that way. So catchers who are really good at that, you might see them do that a lot. These days in MLB, just to keep the runner honest, keep the runner honest, and maybe not waste a pickoff throw, not waste one of the disengagements, so you let the catcher try it a couple of times if need be. And in fact, the, but different. You still have to throw the pitch. Uh, yes, yes, because because you could steal. Yes, yeah, uh, but yeah, I, right. So I don't, feel, I don't see that. I don't see that as a workaround to the rules, like the shift thing that you shared, or holding the ball in front of the mound to circumvent the pitch clock. I see that as just working within the confines of it. Like I, yes, I, I but, mean, but I, the I, advantage... I, I guess it would take a little, add, add a little time to the game if it happens a lot more. But the advantage of having that guy who's good at it is the thing. So, like, the Braves made that trade for Sean Murphy from Oakland, and I hadn't really... I mean, I knew, I knew he was good defensively and good offensively, and it was ridiculous that Oakland traded him, but I hadn't realized just how good he is at that play. They knew. And so that's going to be a thing that you think he'll do a bunch this year. Exactly. Okay. Uh, we have counted all the way down to 26. We have. All the way to 26. I just liked your, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was adorable and like not really condescending, but just kind of like, all right, that completes that thought. <laughs> I'll just let it stand. I got nothing else to say about Sean Murphy being traded to the Braves. I know. It I'm was, sorry. He was just a stand-in to help me make the point. Was just, gonna, I gonna, humanized it a little I bit. I was going to throw down to first a little bit more okay. for Atlanta Braves. I'm not going to fight you on Sean Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> you win. You win on Sean Murphy. Fine with me. You're going to win the next segment, too, because it's yours. <laughs> the 26th favorite baseball player, Matt Spiegel in Chicago. He's been here for 30 baseball summers, so we made a list. It's Parkinson Spiegel on the score. He's got a chance. Go! We're counting down the days to opening day. Happy opening day. By celebrating some of Chicago baseball's all-time greats. There go number 400. But Big Frank, you can't put it on the board. Yes! Here comes the hook. Got him! 20 strikeouts! It's Matt Spiegel's top 30 favorite Chicago baseball players of the last 30 years. Matt Spiegel is one of the great baseball people, and not only in this town, but across the country. From Abreu. Sox win! Sox win! On a grand slam by Jose Abreu. To Big Z. Carlos Zambrano has no hit! The Houston Astros! Matt Spiegel counts us down to opening day. Wow, is that huge! Matt Spiegel's 30 players for 30 years. That's how you do it. On the Parkins and Spiegel Show on 670 The Score.
Your 26th favorite baseball player in Chicago for the last 30 years is? Maglio Ordonez. Danny, the White Sox in July of 97, the white flag trade, sitting just three and a half games behind Cleveland in the AL Central. Sox mail it in. They trade three healthy veteran active pitchers for six minor leaguers. Jerry Reinsdorf defended it, said, quote, anyone who thinks we can catch Cleveland is crazy. Unquote. Um, as a producer for McNeil and Boers, we wrote and recorded The Night the White Sox Died as a parody song. A month later, Maglior Donez was among the September call-ups showcased as like a possible emblem of better times to come. And in 98, he started to show serious promise, hit 282 with 14 homers, speedy, athletic instincts in a premium position in right field. And it led to a fifth-place finish for Rookie of the Year. And then, pure excellence for five outstanding full seasons. And was really like a big part of the resurgence of, uh, of the White Sox in this town. Um, an injury-riddled 2004 and left for the Tigers in free agency. But before that, those five years, four All-Star teams, two Silver Sluggers, three times a top-20 vote-getter for American League MVP, four times an OPS over 900, including... A 978 OPS in 2002, sixth best in the American League that year, behind the likes of Jim Tomey, Manny Ramirez, and A-Rod. This was a complete offensive player. Stole 25 bases in 2001. Ran the bases beautifully, consistently, and was just a really fun-to-watch, intimidating athlete. I remember his karate moves in the big White Sox-Tigers brawl in 2000. That thing, if anybody hasn't watched that thing in a while, I happened upon it, writing this thing. Fun YouTube watch. Oh, my God. 11 players ejected, 16 people eventually suspended, the biggest mass suspension in baseball history at the time. But this was a five-tool player to be proud of in this town in All-Star Games. Had a double in an RBI in the All-Star Game in 2000. Should have won MVP in the 2001 game. He went deep. From the Chicago White Sox outfielder, Maglio Ordonez. Maglio Ordonez of the Chicago White Sox is first up. Maglio, who has established himself as a major league cleanup hitter, a bona fide major league cleanup hitter, looking for some help in that Chicago White Sox lineup. Lost Frank Thomas early for the season. First All-Star game home run for Derek Jeter. One of the few guys that, if you really examine their season, you could question their selection. You cannot question the star power of Jeter as Ordonez goes deep to right. Goodbye. Right center field. Ordonez back to back for the American League, and it's 4-1. to one. So after detailing that the Cubs pitching staff has allowed the fewest home runs in the league, Jeter and Ordonez go back to back. With the Chicago White Sox 13 games behind the Minnesota Twins and the Cubs in first place. Some solace for White Sox fans with Ordonez homering off Lieber. A south sider ah. off a north sider. That's, I forgot it was John Lieber. Uh, it's good stuff. Um, and Mag should have been MVP. They gave it to Cal Ripken Jr. That was his last All-Star game. He played the entire game. A memorable moment at the beginning when A-Rod gave it up for Ripken. So yep. Mag's got robbed. Uh, another guy was available and played a ton. Five straight years of 153 games played, at least 650 played appearances, and just so bankable. 30 homers and 100 ribs in four straight seasons. I always think about him, too, as the guy. Do you remember this Cubs-Sox interleague game at Wrigley when Mags hit what should have been the go-ahead RBI double at Wrigley to the right field gap 
in the eighth inning of an interleague game, 5-5, runner at first, and it goes into the Ivy. And Jose Hernandez and Sammy Sosa immediately, ah, it's in the yeah. Ivy! It's in the Ivy! And it should have been a 6-5 White Sox lead. They lost in the 12th. Sox fans hate Wrigley so much, and that is the one that always gets cited. Yes. Ah, your gimmicky stadium with yes. your stupid Ivy. Yep. Yeah. Brant Brown solo home Speaks, I was probably, I don't know, eight or nine years old. I can't find the game log, but I was at a, a game where Mags hit a grand slam and a homer in the same game. And after the second homer, we were like four rows beyond the dugout, me, my dad, my uncle Jim. He came out outside of the dugout, do a curtain call, threw his batting gloves, and this giant bastard in front of me, I was like nine years old, caught the batting glove and wouldn't give it to me. He was with like grown men. (laughs) My dad wanted to beat the absolute (laughs) living crap out of this dude for not giving me the Mags batting glove. You were that close to having a Maglio Ardenas batting glove. Yep. He, he was w- my favorite. He went on to greatness in Detroit. He had a pennant-clinching homer in 2006. Two uh, homers in that same inning. He had two homers in that inning. Amazing. Uh, for the Tigers. And then check out his 2007 season. That was what I forgot when Dude, I was researching this. It, look he, at it. He finished second for league MVP, won a batting title, hit 363. 363! With, with 54 doubles. Dude! That, now, now, that is not for your Chicago Summers. But I had it in here because it, yeah. of that. Look at that. I... I had completely forgotten about that season. Unbelievable. That, that is crazy. So just just a remarkable offensive player. He, just he could it. be the best all-around player, especially you talk about homegrown guys that the Sox drafted that or the Sox, you know, brought up to their system anyway. One of the best all-around players I've ever seen in a White Sox uniform. We uh, talk about all the tools, man. The guy was I good. loved OEO Maglio. It was awesome. Yeah. Like it was it was a very like it was like it was one of the most like just like Fun. The whole stadium got into it. Mm-hmm. It was. Uh, I don't know if that factored into your vibes ranking, but uh, I, I love that. No, it might be my vibe. You're, it's a good call. Maybe my vibes. Are, maybe I'm too low on mags here. Um, I, offense. I had him number eight. Uh, Adam had eight out of ten. Defense seven out of ten. Vibes eight out of ten. Teammate ships seven out of ten. M- memorable moments eight out of ten. Uh, total of a 38 for Maglio Ardonez, making him number 26 on the list. It's your list. It is mine. Yeah, it's true. It's a good point. It's your list. Rhino, Maglio, Ray Durham, Alfonso Soriano, Carlos Lee, and Carlos Lee. That's our first five. Our first five. We're going to double up tomorrow. We are committing to doubling up tomorrow since we were off for President's Day. So 440 tomorrow, we'll uh, give you 25 and 24. We'll get it. Yeah, we'll get much more current tomorrow. Okay. Looking forward to it. Tanny's open uh, to kick off the 5 o'clock hour. Jay Zawoski going to join us in about 30 minutes. And uh, a sad sports story that really we hope it doesn't end the way it's trending next on the score.